chicks out there, splats, okay, we'll just dive into it anyway. We'll just, I'll just open us up with a word of prayer. So, Father, we just thank you so much for this time that we can step into you and step into your presence and just in the midst of our week, in the midst of all the craziness and all the, the busyness, Father, we thank you that we can just come here and just be with you and be together as a family and just to lift up our hands and say that you are good in the midst of our storm, that you are our peace in the midst of the craziness with the waves crashing and the lightning coming down and the rain pouring, you still invite us to walk on water with you. So Lord, may we reach out and walk on water with you tonight and every single day. So Lord, would you just meet us here and may we meet you here as well. We love you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you guys to stand. So every time we come together to live, we love to worship. And, you know, a lot of people think of worship as something like Christian karaoke where there's cool words on the screen and we all get excited. But in reality, this is a very personal time with Jesus. And so, um, yeah, there's just such freedom in this place just to be you and just to worship Jesus. So if you want to go on the side, if you want to come up front, there's just so much freedom here tonight. And so, yeah, we're going to get started. One thing. 
Thank you, God. I would rather be There's no place I would rather 
share a thought. To be honest, I've loved this song forever, but I always thought it was kind of a weird song. Because <laughs> when I first started learning it, I thought half the song didn't have anything to do with the other song. Because <laughs> I would think, there's no place I'd rather be. And then it would say, set a fire. And then recently I was reading through chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and I came across passage where I talked about the two disciples that were walking in the road. And this was after Jesus died and after he resurrected. And Jesus, this was around the time Jesus started appearing randomly to different people. And the Bible says that um, he met them, but, he, but they didn't know who he was. They didn't recognize him. But it wasn't until they invited him over to his house that the Bible says that their eyes were open and they finally realized, oh my goodness, this is Jesus. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning when he was talking to us? When he opened up the scriptures, weren't our hearts burning? And as I was meditating over this song earlier this week, I thought, the heart of the Father is to bring us in and hold us, but also to put something into us and light a fire in us too. It's the both. And it's for believers and non-believers too. Like if you're here and you love Jesus, sing this song as a prayer to, to set that fire even hotter whatever that may be if you want to burn more for him if you want to have your faith increased more ask the father to give you more of a fire for faith or if if you're someone who wants more hunger for the word and the scripture ask the father to burn that fire in you or or if you're here and you're feeling like nervousness is taking over you ask the father to set a fire in your heart of boldness and if you're not, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe this is your first time, I just encourage you that just like the disciples, if Jesus came to this night right here, would you invite him over to your house, to your life, just like the disciples did? Because it was only then, it was only when they invited him into his life, into their lives, where their eyes opened and they finally knew who he was and their hearts, <laughs> they knew their hearts were burning but it was only when they saw him that they knew who it was burning for. So I just wanna encourage you guys, this is a very well-known song, but I just wanted to encourage you to sing it with a fresh perspective and a fresh heart as a prayer. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. So 
Can you guys just lift your hands as you sing this? Yeah, one more time. Let's just keep that going.
thank you, God, that that's a cry of our heart, that we want to know you more, because the more we seek you, the more we know you, the more we seek you, the more we find you, the more we find you, the more we love you, God. And Father, we came here, whether we've known you for years or this is our first time, whether a friend brought us here or we've been coming for years, whether we're pastors or staff members at a church or we know nothing about God, we're here because we ask, God, that you do something new in our hearts and our lives, that we want to know you deeper, Jesus, that we want to know you truer, Jesus, that we want to know you realer, Jesus. God, I pray that you would breathe on us, Father, and that every single one of us, including myself, would leave tonight knowing you more in our minds and in our hearts. That we would know that you are real and alive. That you're a father and a savior and our best friend. So God, I pray that you would come and move in a way that only you can. I thank you that you don't have to show up, but yet you always do. And Holy Spirit, we just give you the freedom to move and do what you want to do. I thank you for everyone that came out tonight. I pray you would bless them for stepping out in faith and coming tonight. And that you would speak and move in a way that only you can, Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we give it up for the worship band, guys? Thanks so much. You guys can have a seat. Wow, that's good. Man, well, thank you so much for everyone coming out tonight. My name is Ryan, and I'm blessed to be the college pastor here. Um, Joe, if you just want to lift that up, thank you. Um, man, well, last week, if you came here, uh, we weren't here <laughs> because of the cold weather. That was actually the first time in a live history that we've ever canceled a service. So uh, we missed everyone last week. Um, but we're glad to be here tonight. And um, if this is your first time or you've been coming uh, this semester, we're going through the Gospel of Mark. Um, no, not the book of Mark Hagee, but the Gospel of Mark in the Bible. Um, but Mark Hagee is going to be speaking tonight, one of our speakers, so we're excited for that. Um, but we're looking at the book of Mark, and we're looking at how Jesus walked, so that we could walk the ways that Jesus walked. And we're studying his life, we're looking at his character, his heart, and how he lived, and what that means for us today. And so we are so excited that we have two speakers tonight. Um, we're excited for what God's going to do through them. And Carol's going to take us through Mark 4. And, and Mark is going to take us through Mark 5. Uh, so we're super excited. But before we jump into that, um, you know, we love honor. And we love to honor people that have given their, their hearts and their lives to this ministry and this family and most of all to God. And there's so many people in this family that serve week in and week out. And uh, tonight is uh, a special night, but a, a little bit of a sad night because one of our brothers, uh, one of our friends is get graduated and he got a job and so he's leaving. And uh, Adam, will you just come up and can we give it up for Adam Davis, everyone? We were going to do this last week, so I'm so glad you're here, but we just got you um, a little present from the leadership team. 
Um, and it isn't a Christmas bag because Christmas never ends with Jesus, bro, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go ahead. You can open it real quick. You know, I love giving gifts, so excited. I know it's been something that you've wanted a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, the Passion Bible, and a bunch of us leaders uh, wrote you a little note, and I even picked out some pictures and put it in there for you, so when you miss us, you know, you'll see us, but <laughs> I did, I did, ask Miranda and MJ, they're witnesses, <laughs> but man, we love you, bro, yeah, love you, man, love you, man, hey, um, yeah, I don't know, do you have anything you want to say or do, if not, that's okay, but I just wanted to give you, maybe later, all right, all right, hey, can we give it up for Adam, let him know how much we love him? Adam's been one of our worship directors and just poured so much in this ministry, and he's leaving for Quincy, but um, once family, always family, so I'm sure he'll be back. All right. Well, I'm excited to announce our speakers, and I'm going to let Carol start, and she's going to take us uh, through Mark 4, and then Mark's going to come up halfway. So let's give it up for Carol and Mark. Thanks. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Carol, as you guys have heard. I am one of the student leaders here at Alive, and honestly, it is amazing to be able to look out and see you guys from this angle. Usually, I'm in the back. And I started Alive in 2016. It was the first thing that I did when I arrived in Illinois. And I remember walking into the Y, because that's where we were, with no air conditioning. It was very, very warm. <laughs> and I remember stepping in and I was like, I know no one. I'm going to go home. But my sister, Vanessa, she was, she threatened me and told me that I had to stay there. And so I'm really glad I did. <laughs> so three years later, I'm a leader here and I lead one of the small groups, the girls group that meets on Tuesdays with Sadie. You guys can come out and check us out. And honestly, it is such an honor to be able to stand here and to share my heart with you guys. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. I, don't, I like to talk, so, you know, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all, um, but I remember this one thought that I had growing up. And I told my mom, I was like, Mom, I want to be three things. Very specific. I was little like this. I was like, Mom, I want to be a pastor, a teacher, and a doctor. And for someone who didn't grow up in the church, that's not something that you, you know, normally say to anyone, especially me, because I didn't know what a pastor was. I was like, what is that? But my family loved the last one, medicine, doctor, yay. So I planned my entire life from the moment I decided to be a doctor, which was about seventh grade, to uh, I, until I like graduated medicine school, right? Well, I was so excited. In high school, I took extra courses. I even went to trade school to become a phlebotomist, which just means that I can draw blood at a hospital. If you, so if you need me to draw your blood, you can come find me. <laughs> and I, it was fun. <laughs> I loved it. I loved science, biology, anatomy. It was, it was my jam. It's what I lived for. And when I was about 15 years old, my mom was actually diagnosed with PTSD and dissociative disorder, which basically means that when a situation was stressful or 
she was scared or fearful or mad, she would tend to revert back to where she was like a little kid. So like a safe place in her, in her heart and in her mind. And this literally kind of dominated my life. Um, especially in high school, I began to strive and I began to do better in school because I wanted the approval of my teachers, of my family. I wanted to make sure everyone was happy because mom was sick and I had to be the grown up. I had to be the adult. I had to stand up tall, you know, do what I had to do to make sure that everything kept going. And I remember I, it was two years ago, I left Parkland College and I cried because school was rough. <laughs> it, I couldn't figure out how to do tricks, still can't. But I remember that I, I was so scared and I was so full of anxiety because my grades were telling me that I wasn't smart enough to, make sh to go to med school. My grades were telling me that you're dumb. My grades were telling me that I can't do it. And I let that fear and that anxiety kind of derail my life for a little bit. I dropped out of college and I was like, nope, that's not for me. Peace out. <laughs> Found a full-time job at the Vineyard Church where I worked with Katie Hart, our Kingdom Kids pastor. And it is absolutely amazing. And recently I kind of realized that Wow, I really let that, that storm from the minute that my mom got sick to the minute where Trig was horrible. And I let it dominate my life. Have you ever allowed your circumstances and your situation that is surrounding you to find what you do? Did you allow the fear and the anxiety that was caused by something that you can't really control to find your next steps in life? And... You know, remember when I said I planned out my life, right? Med, med school, I was going to be a doctor. It was all going to be great. <laughs> I did. I had all of my steps from the moment I graduated high school. I knew what college I was going to go to to get my uh, biology degree. I knew what med school I wanted to do. I knew my specialty. I knew it all. And so from the, from the moment that I realized that I wasn't smart enough, I didn't know what to do next. I wanted to control my situation, so I didn't know what to do. And, you know, today we're going to be reading out of Mark 4, and we're going to unpack what it looks like to be filled with the truth of God so that we can endure those storms, so that we know where we are rooted and planted at, so that we don't have to waver when something comes and fills us with anxiety or fear. But first, I'm going to pray and invite Jesus to be our teacher. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we get to do this and that we get to come and just worship you and be in your presence. And Father, I just invite you to speak to me and through me. Amen. Well, like Ryan said, we've been going through the book of Mark this semester, and I'm going to pick up on Mark 4. And we are going to be reading out of the Passion Translation because it is one of my favorite translations right now, like everyone in here, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick up on verse 4, and it says, As he cast his seeds, some of it fell along the beaten path, 
and as soon as the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell onto gravel with no topsoil and quickly sprouted, since the soil had no depth. But when the days grew hot and the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots, other seeds fell among the thorns. So when the seeds sprouted, so did the thorns, crowding out the young plants so that they could produce no grain. But some of the seed fell onto good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as was what was planted. And Jesus later goes, he explains this to a big crowd by the side of the Sea of Galilee. Sorry, tongue twister. <laughs> and he's telling this to a group of people, a huge crowd. But when he explains what he means about the parable, he just brings his disciples. And he goes, listen, I'm going to tell you what this means because I need you to understand. And he goes, and we're going to pick up on verse 14. And he says, let me explain. The farmer sows the seed as word. And what falls on the beaten path represents those who hear the word, but immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. And these are guys, these are the, the people who have no truth in them. They don't know what it is or who God is. So when they hear the truth, they don't understand that that's the truth. And the enemy loves to come and steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's what he did. He takes every, every seed of truth that was planted in that person and he's like, nope, not for you. And uh, continuing on with verse 16, he says, The seed was so that was sown on gravel represents those who hear the word and receive it joyfully. But because their hearts fail to sink a deep root into the word, they don't, they don't endure for long. For when trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, they immediately wilt and fall away. And guys, these are just the people, those hearts that hear the truth. They receive it happy, joyfully. They're, they're going to church. They're in ministry. They might be volunteering even. But... They didn't allow the truth of God to really soak in them. They didn't allow those roots to grow deep. So when a storm came, like my storm, I fell away. I began to strive. I didn't rely on God to help lead me. I took matters into my own hands. I wanted to control the situation. And... He could, Jesus continues and says, The seed sown among thorns represents those who hear the word, but they allow the cares of this life and the seduction of wealth and the desires for other things to crowd out and choke the word so that it produces nothing. I mean, we're in college. We've gone to high school. We know how hard it is. People are always like, are you trendy? You know, you got to make sure you're wearing your, the right clothes. You have your hair done. You're wearing your makeup. You're standing up tall. You're, you drive the best car. The world loves to pour lies 
and to distract us from the truth. And that's what these people who fell away from God, that's what they were, they allowed those cares to determine who they were. They didn't stand strong in the fact that Jesus created them and that their identity is rooted in Jesus. They allowed other people and their definition of who they were define them. They might have allowed their grades to define who they were like I did. I believe that my grades made me dumb, that I wasn't smart enough. Picking up on verse 20, Jesus says, But the seed that was sown on good soil represents those who open their hearts and receive the word, and their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times more than what was sown. And those are the hearts that we want to be. We want to be open to hear God speak through his word. We want him to speak to us directly. And when we, allow, when we sit in God's presence and just read his Bible and we just soak in who he is, we're transformed. We can't help it. We can't enter the presence of God and be like, oh, I'm going to stay the same. <laughs> we can't because <laughs> it's God. And the love that he has for us, it's so much more better and bigger than anything that we can love each other with. Because the love of God transforms us from the inside out. It doesn't let us stay broken or dumb. It says that you are made perfect in the image of God. And we don't know how seeds grow. I mean, we can't really go up to a plant and be like, hey, I need you to grow right now. I need you to produce fruit right in this minute. That's not how, you know, plants work. You plant them, you water them, you take the little weeds away, and you let them grow. And that's the same thing with the kingdom of God. And in, we're going to skip down to verse 26. Jesus told, also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day after day, and the seed sprouts and grows tall. Though he knows not how, all by itself, it sprouts, and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, and then the head of the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. The sower didn't go yell at his crops to grow. He just did what he had to. He watered it, and that's what Jesus does to us. He stands by us, and he says, you are made perfect. You are smart. He pours these encouraging words inside of our hearts. He empowers us so that we don't stay the same. See, when Jesus came and he died on the cross, he didn't, you know, just die on a cross for nothing. He literally died on the cross to take all of your sin away. So that you are made new and righteous in who God is. And Jesus doesn't just pour encouraging words into us. But he tells us that in him, we can find perfect rest and peace. And we're going we're gonna to go to verse 35. 
Later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they showed, they shoved off from the shore with him as he had been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a ferocious tempest arose with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swamped. Have we ever been in that moment where the storm is completely crazy and you're all but like, I can't breathe anymore because this anxiety is defining who I am. This fear isn't allowing me to step forward and move on. And the disciples, they're just, they're on the boat and they're like, oh my goodness, it's sinking. What are we going to do? And Jesus is just literally laying, sleeping. <laughs> could, you got, could anyone be sleeping in a, in a crazy storm like that? But Jesus was sleeping. He was completely at rest. And it's Jesus. We know that he has made people walk. And yet we're, you know, like, what is wrong? Why is he sleeping? And the Jesus or the disciples go, and they go to the teacher. They say, "Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die?" Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted, "Hush, calm down!" And all at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. In in other versions, it says, "Peace, be still." That's the Jesus that lives inside of us. That's the Jesus that we get to stand and be rooted in. Jesus is the one who calms the storms that surround us. He's the one who defines us. But not only that, he empowers us to speak peace to that storm as well. He empowers us to speak peace. Peace to the storm. Doesn't matter what storm you guys are going through. They're all hard. School is hard. Some of us are graduating and have to go find a job. <laughs> Some of us still have like two more years of college. Me, right here, because I went back to school, guys. Right? <laughs> I decided not to let my grades define who I was. I decided to let God's truth define me. And he says that I am strong enough to go to school. He says I'm strong enough to pursue any and all my dreams. And so I enrolled back in school, and I'm taking trig again, and I still hate it. <laughs> it's still hard. <laughs> But my God is a lot bigger than Trig. Our God is a lot bigger than our storms. And in the next chapter, we're going to see three different stories of how Jesus responds to faith when we come to him.
Come on. Come on. So good. Don't take my notes. Okay. Ooh. That was close. It's, it's, Carol, you look a lot prettier than me, so she got, that's why she has the, uh, the Britney mic. But, and so I only get one hand up here. It's a little harder. But, well, can we, oh, thank you. Can we give it up for Carol again? Is that not awesome? You know, I, I am, I'm, I'm really excited, like, what God's been doing through, you know, this polar vortex that came last, last week, and how that's, like, weaving these messages together, and I, I'm just so excited to, like, take off, and, and what, so, sort of what we heard was, like, examples of, uh, you know, oh, when the disciples don't get it, and, like, oh, there's rocky soil, you know, like, oh, we don't get it, but we're going to walk in now in, in uh, Mark 5, and we're going to hear Three stories of people who step out in faith, right? Stories of how to do it right and how Jesus responds to that. Is that what? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was last year, yeah. <laughs> All right, so Ryan says I have to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm a coach at Alive, yeah. And I, I've been a part of Alive for like five years or something, like, or I've been a part of the ministry, you know, even before it was Alive. And, and I remember Ryan came, and uh, this story is a lie, uh, and Ryan came to me, and he's like, I want to make you a coach. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I was like, do I get a whistle? And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Let's go. But I actually, at this point, I would love a whistle. So just, you know, dropping the hint, I want a really cool whistle. It'll remind me, you know, that would be nice. Um, and so I came to the University of Illinois from Texas, and I, I went there and did electrical engineering. I did power engineering, so I can tell you, like, how the power's, like, flowing through that. It's, like, super cool, you know? And then I did some business stuff, and now I work for Ameren, and I keep the lights on. That's what I always tell people. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know if I want to just keep saying I keep the lights on. That's kind of boring. If anyone's heard me, I always say that. But it's like, I'd rather be the light than just keep the lights on, right? Whoa, whoa, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, Lord. Yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. I love Dunkin' Donuts. If you want Dunkin' Donuts, let's go. Okay. All right. So let's just jump into Mark 5. So. Yeah? What? Oh, let's go. <laughs> I thought it was a question, Phil. I thought it was a question. Okay. So the first story uh, in Mark 5 is Jesus getting out of the boat. In verse 2, it says, and as Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. Wow, there is just no rest for the weary, is there? Right? So these disciples, they're like, oh, we're going to die. And Jesus is like, peace, be still. And it's still. And then they, they get there. And before Jesus even puts his foot down, there's a crazed madman running at them. Right? So, okay, so as we, as we read more, we find out that this crazed madman, he's, he's not crazed just because he has a mental disorder. He's crazed because he has allowed the lies of the enemy that have come through demons to take hold. He's believed the lies that have been planted by our enemy and, 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 and those that work for him, right? They're, they're demons. And he's allowed those lies to have such a hold in his life that at times he just cries out and he, and he feels like he, he must cut himself. He believes the lie that the only way he can feel anything is if he would cut himself, right? He believes the lie that he can't be around anybody because he's going to hurt them, right? And he's convinced himself that this is the reality, right? And sometimes in, in our day-to-day -day life and, 
in, in, in our encounters at the vineyard and at other places, we might run into people that have started to believe the lies that are planted by the enemy, right? And this particular man, he was possessed, right, by a lot of these lies. He was believing so many of these lies that, that he would run to his friends to try to get help. But his friends couldn't help him. The best that his friends could do is to shackle him up, to put iron bars on his, on his hands and say, here, this is, this is the best we can do. You know, at least you won't hurt us. But, but even for this man, he couldn't do that. Or that didn't help because he would just break open those chains. He would just break them open. And so, like, running to his friends didn't really get him the healing that he needed. It didn't set him free. But that's about to change with Jesus. And so we read in verse 6 of Mark 5. It says, when this man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and threw himself down before him. And he screamed out at the top of his lungs, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. Swear in God's name that you won't torture me. Those words, do they sound like a man or do they sound like the demons speaking? Those were, those were the demons speaking, right? But who was it that ran down that hill? It was the man. The man took a step of faith and said, I have to be with this man, Jesus. I have to go there, right? And as soon as he gets there, Jesus is the one who commands those demons out of him. He commands them out. But think with me for a second. What if the man had decided instead, I'm going to run the other way. I'm not going to run to Jesus. What if he had decided, I, I got to go back to my friends, you know? I got to try with my friends again, you know? It was, it was this coming to Jesus that was his act of faith, right? If he hadn't run towards Jesus, there may not even be a story about him, right? But what happens, we get to see, uh, and I'll, I'll get to story tell it for you. Uh, he runs up to Jesus, and the demons cry out, right? And Jesus says, get out, of, get out of this man. This man needs to be free right now. And the demons then speak out of him, and they say, Lord, don't torture us. Just send us into those pigs over there on that hill. And that always makes me hungry because I think of bacon, you know. And I like bacon, but I don't like it after this, right? And, and so Jesus says, yes, you can go. You can go into those pigs, right? And so Jesus casts the demons out. And those demons go, and they, they infest or they possess these pigs, right? And Jesus knows what's going to happen, of course, right? The pigs run down and try to kill themselves, and they're successful. They drown themselves in the lake, okay? So the man is set free at the cost of 2,000 pigs. And so I thought to myself, well, how much are 2,000 pigs? I mean, is that valuable or what? So I looked it up. I looked it up, and the market rate for a pig these days is $750 each, okay? So you do the math. I had my calculator, not mental math, no way. Uh, and it comes out to $1.5 million. $1.5 million that the Lord said, this man is more valuable than that. His freedom is more valuable than that, okay? And I want to tell you that your freedom is more valuable than $1.5 million to the Lord. That's the minimum that he'd be willing to pay, so then as we were praying, or as, as, as Carol, where, where'd Carol go? Hey, there we go. As Carol and I were preparing for this message, you know, she was using the Passion Translation. And I was like, oh, let's go check out the Passion Translation. And, and I read in there, and, and Brian Simmons, who did that translation, he says, 
oh, those pigs were worth at least uh, a quarter million dollars. And I was like, Brian, no, that was my revelation. You weren't supposed to you just put it in your translation, you know? So anyway, that's a good reason to read the Passion Translation because there's a lot of good stuff in there that you may not think of, right? So anyway, I don't know where he priced his pigs. I, I want to get those pigs. They're cheaper. <laughs> so, okay, so after this man is set free, uh, Jesus tells him to go back to his friends, right, and to tell them what the Lord has done for him, okay? And this is a, a cool, like, picture um, of how we, we go to Jesus, and once we go to Jesus and we get that healing, then we can go and tell others, right? And that's, that's one story of how it can happen. We also remember back in Mark 3 when the, the friends went together with the man, uh, took the paralytic man and lowered him down to Jesus, and, and then he was healed, right? And the common denominator, right, is Jesus. Jesus is where the healing is. And so I, I just want to tell you that Jesus is where the power is. We have to go to Jesus. That's where we get healing. So the second story in Mark 5 is the story of a woman who suffered from bleeding. And it starts in verse 24. And it says, and Jesus went with him. So this him is Jairus. Jairus? Jairus? I want to call him Jay. I don't know. We'll call him Jay. Okay. So Jesus went with Jay. Uh, Jay had come and asked Jesus, come, heal my daughter who's sick. And so we're going to go with Jay, right? We're, we're the disciples now. We're going with Jesus. We're going to go heal. Okay, so Jesus went with Jay, and the huge crowd followed, pressing in on him from all sides. Now in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors, yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better, but worse. So... What if this woman, you know, we're going to find out that, the, you know, the next, next thing that she does is she decides, I, I know this man, Jesus is here, um, and he heals, right? I want to go, and I want to I get healed from him. But what if she had believed that she had tried everything? There's no way this guy, Jesus, can heal me. If she had believed that, believed that lie, she never would have come to Jesus. She would have just wallowed, you know, and continued, right, without healing, and what, what if she believed that she was so unworthy to even go? You know, in, in that day, as, as a woman, there was pressure not to show yourself out in public, not to go see the big figure who's come to town. And on top of that, she was unclean, ceremonial unclean. Yeah, ceremonially unclean. And, and that's even more pressure, right, from society saying, don't, don't, don't get close to this holy man. But she decided otherwise. And it says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him and touched his prayer shawl. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. Wow. I, I love that statement. I love that phrase of faith. Let me read that again. She kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, then I know I will be healed. And we know what happened. You know, the moment that she touched Jesus' clothes, 
healing went out of Jesus' body, and, and the bleeding dried up immediately. And, and what's, what's really cool is that Jesus then turns, and he's, he's, you know, surrounded by thousands of people. Like, all of us are there, you know. And, and, he, and he's like, who touched me? And his disciples look at him like he's a crazy man, you know. There's another crazy man, and now you're the crazy man. And he, and he says, who touched me, right? Who is the one who I just healed? And they're like, what are you talking about? And the lady is like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm out. I, she knows. How does he know? But you know what this shows? This shows that it is so much in Jesus' nature to heal those who come to him in faith that he doesn't even have to be conscious of you coming to him to get that healing. He doesn't even have to be looking at you, but he knows if someone comes to him in faith, he will do it. That's how good our God is. That's how good he is. And what an encouragement to us that we can step out and say, if I could just, if I could just touch his clothes, you know, if I could just see a little bit of his glory, if I could just see a tiny bit, you know, that is all I need to be healed. And so Jesus says to her, daughter, in verse 34, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. Go in peace in your heart and be free from your suffering. So this brings us to our final story. This is the story of Jay's daughter, Jairus, something like that. Okay. And so in verse 34, we continue. Before Jesus had even finished speaking to this lady, people arrived from Jay's house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There is no need to trouble the master any longer because your daughter has died. What, like, what sad news, right? We were on our way. We were on our way to heal her, but she died. We took too long, you know, healing this other lady. What if J Jay, what if Jairus had said to Jesus, I guess it's too late, you know? You go your way, I'll go my way. It's time to make funeral preparations. I wonder, have you guys ever thought, you know, there is something that has happened to me that is so bad that there is no way God can make good on his promise to make good out of all things. Is there something you've believed? Like this situation right here, this one is impossible. You know, those other ones, they were fine. You know, God could do something with that. But this one, nope, nope, not this one. This one's impossible. Well, Jay didn't believe that. And in fact, he was encouraged by the Lord uh, in this. And it says in verse 36, but Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, uh, who is Jay, don't yield to fear. All you need to do is keep on believing. Wow. Uh, I feel like you guys need to know that this is what Jesus is telling you today. He says, don't yield to fear. All that you need to do is keep on believing. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be so hard when the storm is like raging, right? But these are Jesus' words to us. He is the God who heals. He is the God who redeems all things. And so we see what happens in verse 40. Then he took the child's father and mother and his three disciples, and he went into the room where the girl was lying. He tenderly clasped the child's hand in his and said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum. Try to say that really nice. Which means... 
little girl, wake up from the sleep of death. Instantly, the 12-year-old girl sat up, stood to her feet, and started walking around the room. And everyone was overcome with astonishment in seeing this miracle. Right? Jesus makes the impossible possible. If we would just step in with him, if we just go run out of our cemetery to him and say, I don't even know what you're going to do, but you can cast these demons out of me. I could just touch just a tiny piece of you, and that'll be enough to end this 12 years. If, if I just continue to believe, even though it seems utterly impossible, I will be healed. My daughter will be healed. This situation will be restored. So I ask you, how will you respond to the storms that have come up in your life? How are you going to respond when you find that the soil of your heart needs more work? You're just gonna, are you going to run away? Well, I want to I tell you that what we need to do is to steward our hearts. And, and I want to say, I will not let the enemy say that I am too messed up like that demon-possessed man. I am not going to let the enemy tell me that lie and say, I'm going to run the other direction. This is one of the ways that the enemy steals the seed of faith out of our life. And two, I will not believe that I have tried too many times. I'm not going to believe that lie. Twelve years isn't enough. I'm going to try more. And, and, and say that I'm not worthy of good things of God. Yes, I am worthy. And, and so in, in, in that woman overcome, overcame this, this temptation to believe that the thorns in her life were more valuable. You know, she, that the other cares of her life were more valuable. No, she didn't let her seed of faith get choked out. And, and third, I will not let my belief or any other person's belief that it is too late or that it's too impossible stop me from going to Jesus. No, there is no amount of persecution that will cause me, that will cause me to let this seed be uprooted in my life. I'm going to get rid of all the rocks in the soil of my heart, and I'm going to let those seeds go deep. I want to let those seeds go deep so that when the persecution comes, I'm not blown around in the wind, right? I'm rooted in him. And so I want to tell you a story of my, my, a little bit of a story about this in my life. And I haven't told too many people about this, and, and let's just say it's about Kundai. Um, so, or Tammy. Yeah, Tammy. Yeah. Now, we'll make this one about Kundai. So, so, so I, I have a lot of friends in my life, and, and I have a close friend, and, and we have a close fr- friendship. And as we're going through life, you know, I made some mistakes, and I felt like he made some mistakes. Kundai. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and our, our deep relationship started to get a little shallower, you know. And it felt like there was this, like, storm kind of brewing. And, and you know, as I, as I went about my life, I was like, let me think some godly thoughts. Like, God, um, I think... I think I would, I should go confess. I should go confess, right? I'm going to go to him and I'm going to ask forgiveness for this thing. So I did that. I went and I, I asked forgiveness. And, you know, a little bit of breakthrough, but not, not much. And I was like, okay, what are some other godly thoughts I can have? What are some godly thoughts? Um, if I just act really cool around him, you know, like, 
really try to not rub anyone the wrong way. You know, I, I'm going to be like at peace. I'm going to make peace amongst everyone around me, including this friend, right, that we could be rejoined back together. It made no difference. And in fact, I, it started changing who I was. It started changing me into like not who I am built to be. But I was like, oh, let me make peace. And I tried this and, and that and this other thing. And I was thinking all these thoughts, like what does the proverb say? What, what does the Bible say? But you know what I didn't do? I didn't take it to Jesus. I didn't actually step out in faith and say, God, you know what's going on in this relationship. And I don't. You are the one who can change his heart and mine. You can change all of this when the world's revelations and everything I've heard before, it's not working. And so I, I remember, it was like six months of this like drama and, I, and I, a realization came to me, I haven't actually brought this to Jesus. I haven't actually talked to him about this. And I said a, a not very holy prayer. I just said, Jesus, you know what's going on. God, you have to restore this. Like, bless my brother, God, and, and make this relationship different than it's been. And what do you know? Like, two weeks later, like, we're interacting, and it's like everything's different. I didn't change anything. But all of a sudden, like, we're getting along, and we're, like, telling old jokes, and we're, we're like, enjoying each other's company. And it was like, wait, God did this. It wasn't me. I finally took it. I finally took it to him, right? I ran to him and took that step of faith, and he's the one who broke in and made all the difference. So, so, in conclusion, whew, yeah, in conclusion, <laughs> I hope that story blesses you. Because it's blessed me, you know, because it's so good when Jesus, like, just, just the smallest touch of Jesus just changes things. Just changes things. Like, I don't, I want to stop living my life where I don't bring things to Jesus. I want to stop living my life where I gotta, I'm going to have my godly thoughts first. I want to have thoughts with God. I want to bring my thoughts to him and allow him to inform. And I believe just like the woman, her, her statement of faith, that if I just, if, if Jesus just moves a tiny bit in this circumstance, everything's going to be different. And so, in conclusion, I want to tell you that I believe Mark 4 and 5, I wrote this out, I thought this was really good. Um, Mark 4 and 5 teaches us to steward faith in our hearts, to steward the soil of our hearts, right, so that we would go to Jesus, not just think about Jesus, but actually take that step of faith and go to him, bring our, our cares to him. And when we do that, simply believing and knowing that just the tiniest movement of our God is enough to solve that whole issue. It's just enough. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus, <laughs> I just thank you so much for this this truth about you, God, that, that you are open to us bringing our burdens to you, God, that it is in your nature to respond when we come to you, God, that just the smallest hint 
of you moving in a situation changes everything. Changes everything in these three people's lives, God. And it'll change in our lives too, God. As we go back into worship, you guys, I just want to encourage you. There might be big things and there might be small things that you're thinking about. But it's, it's time, I feel it's a call on my own life. It's time to stop thinking about things and it's time to start praying them with the Lord. It's time to start giving them to God and knowing that just the smallest touch from him is what you need. It is the solution. Jesus, we just bless your name, God. As we go into this time of worship, I just thank you, Holy Spirit. You are gonna have your way. You are gonna have your way. I just invite you guys to stand up. Yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to, as we as we sing, as we worship, like worship him in spirit and in truth and bring to him. You know, if there's that thing on your mind, bring it to him. Really bring it to him. Reaching out. 
It is almost nine, um, so you guys are free to go. There's snacks out there. But we wanted to encourage you guys to stay. We have two more songs to sing, and we're going to have leaders lined up on both sides. So if you guys need prayer or you just want some encouragement, I encourage you guys to come find us. And guys, uh, yeah, we really bless you to go. Don't feel bad if you need to go. We want to really honor your time. Um, we want to say if... Uh, we have stories tonight of people who come to Jesus together and who come to him alone. And I feel like some of us are feeling like tonight's an alone time with Jesus. And others are feeling like, I need someone to help me. I need someone to help me. So the leaders that are on the side, we want to really encourage you um, that they can, they can help you. They want to pray with you and bring you with them to, to Jesus, you know, to really lay those burdens down. And rather than carry those burdens anymore, to take on the burdens of Jesus, which are easy and they're light. Mm. Yeah, Jesus. I just thank you for freedom in this place and joy in your presence, God, because when you come into the room, when you touch the circumstances that we have no solution for, that we've been trying to solve, that we can't solve, God, you can solve them. So Jesus, we just give you all of those burdens, whether it's alone or with friends, God. We give them to you tonight as we just worship you. We just worship you, Jesus.
over yourselves. We are no longer slaves to fear. worship team right now like that was awesome wow you guys did amazing that was unbelievable i got i got wrecked a little bit um but yeah wow what a night i just want to pray us out um yeah let's just pray let's just thank god for this night father god we're just so thankful for you and all that you've done tonight lord thank you for carol thank you for mark thank you for the worship team thank you for all the people who came out tonight lord thank you for this amazing night lord where I just felt people's change just fell right off. People just got set free tonight, God. And yet you showed up. You, know, you didn't have to, but you showed up. And we're so thankful for you, God. Like, wow. And Jesus, we love you. We're, we're just so grateful for you. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Father God, just thank you for coming up, showing up tonight, Lord. We love you, and we're excited for next Wednesday already. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for all you guys coming out tonight. It was awesome. <laughs> Let's give it up for Christ. Good job, Christ. Man, amen, amen. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much for coming out. We got some awesome snacks out there. Hey, if you guys want a live crew sweatshirt, Mariah's rocking it tonight. Tomorrow is the last time to sign up. You can order one tonight. And uh, also in the newsletter tomorrow, make sure you get one. We got them in black and white so you can rock that gear. And then lastly, hey, if you like tonight, we're going to be on Spotify tomorrow. So you can listen tonight on Spotify. Just check us out. We love you guys, and lastly, just remember this, don't stop believing. Hit that track, eh? Smell of wine and cheap perfume.